tonight, uh, the crowns of, uh, that we'll have in glory. And uh, in my research for the message about the crowns in glory, I come across something very interesting. And I entitled it, seven, What Happens Within Seven sec- Seconds After You Die, After a Believer Dies. What happens within seven seconds? Uh, God's time's not our time, but immediately after you die, you're going to experience some things uh, in God's eyes and in God's presence. So uh, I want to, got seven points. I don't want to labor it too long. We have a, we're going to anoint Brother John with oil before he leaves today. He's got some very pressing uh, medical issues that are coming up this week, and he we probably won't see him for at least 60 days, and that's if everything goes well. So uh, we're uh, going to do that when we uh, close this message out. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to meet here today. I thank you for the church body that's present. I just ask that you bless each and every one that's here today as we look forward to an eternity with you, may we learn more about it today. In Jesus' name, into your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. The first second after you die, if you're a born-again believer, angels will usher your soul to heaven. Luke chapter 16, verse 22. Luke 16, 22. We're going to be in Luke and in Revelations pretty much back and forth. And we got one detour in Second Corinthians, but angels will usher your soul to heaven. You know, when you leave this earth, I, I always think of an incident where I was in an airplane with a rather negative person, and uh, he was exercising his his prowess as far as negativity and anti God issues. And another fellow, another Christian, looked over at me. And we were about 15,000 feet in the air. And he said, uh, this is about as close to heaven as he'll ever get. And it was probably true. You're not The closest you're going to get to heaven on your own is going to be in an airplane or if you're fortunate enough to be an astronaut. But it, you're not going to get to heaven on your own physically, spiritually, any other way except God makes it possible. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will not make it to heaven. That's, it's that simple. And as, as heart-wrenching as it is, as I say that, I've got loved ones that haven't accepted Christ as their personal Savior. But I still come to the realization that His grace is sufficient. And the same grace that will keep you and take you to heaven is the same grace that will uh, bar the door, so to speak. Uh, because he can't give it to everybody. It's not something you earn, but it's something that's there for you to take. And it's something you have to indulge in. You have to come to terms with. And uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 22, the verse says, angels will usher you to heaven. Your soul won't even make it there without divine intervention. 
the divine intervention, as I said, took, took place when Christ died on the cross, and the divine intervention takes when angels pick your soul up and take you to heaven. In Luke chapter 16, verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Some of you are familiar with that story. We'll be back and forth to it a little bit. It's a rich man and Lazarus. Uh, some people like to call it a parable. My Bible does not say it's a parable. My Bible says it's something that really happened. In parables, no one's ever named. And the rich man is definitely uh, not named. But the uh, poor man, Lazarus, is etched into history. His name. So, immediately after you die, angels will usher your soul into heaven, Luke 16, 22. The second thing that will happen, you immediately enter God's presence, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are comforted, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Comfort yourselves with those words. We had a funeral here at the church last Sunday, uh, a memorial service, and uh, the individual was saved, accepted Christ as his personal Savior, was baptized in this church and an open expression of his faith, and uh, we could say without a doubt that he's in the presence of God. Amen. He'd been in the presence of God for a little while, because those things happen immediately. It says, for we... And therefore we, the word we is written in that portion of chapter. I see it 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, probably 21 times. Let's see here. Or more. The word, yeah, it's there in verse 20, 22, 23, 24. The word we, Paul's talking to Christians here. Through the Holy Spirit, it got penned down, and uh, it's we. It's born-again believers. The second you die, you're in the presence of God. The next thing that happens is your conscience, your, you are conscious in command of your thinking, feeling, speech, and memories. You're not just in a state of bliss. Go back to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 21. Well, 19 through the end uh, of the chapter. Uh, let me go to it. Luke. Let's see here. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 20, 20, 21. Luke 16. There's my marker. 19 through 21. The rich man and Lazarus again. I'll, uh, I'll read you. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared scrumptious, sumptuously every day. 
And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate full of sores and and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he carried, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in the flames. Does that answer a little question about what will look like in heaven? Lazarus didn't have any sores in heaven. But Abraham said, Son, remember, said, Son, remember, and that's in a manly form, and that's uh, son of man, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thou good things, and likewise lathereth evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and thee there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would be which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Moses and the prophets are the Old Testament. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent, change their mind about sin. And he said unto him, If if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The New Testament, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. And... uh, you see, Lazarus had full accountability of what was going on. He's seen the torment of the, of, uh, the man who gave him his crumbs, and uh, he had a finger, and he could have dipped it in water, but it was, inter- it was forbidden on his behalf. Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf. So that's a little bit of what's going to happen when you usher off into eternity, you're not going to be in a state of bliss. You're going to be accountable. Now, there's people that talk about getting ushered into the third heaven, and I believe that could possibly happen. Paul did, and he he was ushered into the third heaven and came back to earth, divinely approved and appropriated by God. I don't know if I'm going to uh, judge someone else who claims they've been there unless anything they say is contrary to God's word. Okay, you participate in the one, angels usher your soul to heaven. Two, you immediately enter God's presence. Third, second, you are conscience in in command of your thinking, feelings, speech, and memories. Fourthly, you participate in a magnificent worship with angels and believers before the throne of God and Christ. Go to Revelations chapter 4 and 5. And that's where I found the crowns that will be thrown before God. Almost to the back of the book, Revelations chapter 4 and 5. 
there's a couple of feasts in heaven. There's some great feasts that take place in heaven and a great feast that takes place on earth. The earthly feast is of a negative nature and the heavenly feast is of an uh, opportune of a wonderful nature. Chapter 4, after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And it talks about around about the throne were 40 and 20 seats, and upon the seats I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And over in verse uh, uh, 10 of the same chapter, the four and 20 elders fell down before him and sat on the throne and worshipped him and le- that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns. Cr- crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things for thy presence they are and were created and then it goes on and on and the sealed book is opened and uh, the lion and the lamb and wonderful things take place at the moment You've died. You will participate in a magnificent worship with angels and believers before the throne of God and Christ. One, two, three, four. Fifthly, you are aware to some degree of activities on earth. Go back to uh, to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke 16. We're back to the story of Lazarus. And we see here in verses 9 and 10, let's see here, let's say 16, let me get this right, I got Revelation 16, let me see, you are aware of some degree, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we'll go back to Luke in a moment, we are, we are aware to some degree of activities and events that take place here on earth, Revelations 6, 9 and 10, just go back to 6, 9, and 10, I'm sorry. Had you right there and took you off. And they're talking about the seals, 6, 9, and 10. And when we had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? That verse sobered me up when I was frantically praying after the elections. Because I was praying that the Lord would postpone his judgment on this planet. And perhaps he will. But I was frantically praying for different results. And when I read that verse, I realized that right now, before him, in heaven, are people that died on this planet unjustly, by the Antichrist that, are, that gave their lives as a testimony of heaven and of salvation, they're standing before him saying, let's get it over with. Let's get it over with. And we're down here frolicking around, wanting everything to be just as good as it has been, and we're contesting with those people who gave their lives to God that we're, we're still struggling with giving ourselves to God even on this planet. Those people did it completely unto death, and they're asking him to come quickly. 
and we're up, we're down here begging for him to give us another chance. I don't know who's going to win this. God's perfect and just, and he will, he will work it out. So that's what's going on in heaven right now. And that's going on, and you're going to be able to participate in that and see what's, how God manages that. This whole deal in Afghanistan, God never said us. There's a couple, I got a little book on my desk now. I finally found it. There's a couple things God can't do. And one of them is, is saying us. He never says, I made a mistake. He doesn't have to. He doesn't say he lies either. He can't lie. My Bible says he can't lie. And so all that's taking place right now, and we'll be ushered into that presence of the whole perspective of things within seconds after we die, within moments, within a twinkling of an eye. The sixth one, we will recognize and communicate with believers who preached you to heaven, Luke chapter 9, 28 through 26. Luke chapter 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we're out of Luke 16. Let's go back to Luke chapter 9. We're on the right path, and we'll end up in Revelations chapter 6 again in a moment. Luke chapter 9, 28 through 36. Luke chapter 9, 28 through 36. And it came to pass on the eighth day, on eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James, and he went to, onto the mountain to pray. This is Jesus Christ. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. You will recognize and communicate with other believers. But Peter said, they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass that they departed from him. Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make the let, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. He was going to make a tabernacle as a place of worship. And he was proposing to make a place of worship for Elijah, Moses, and Christ. And that's not how it works. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close, and they told no man these in those days of the things which they had seen. So heaven is, is going to be a pretty, we, you want to know what heaven's going to be like? It's going to be a lot like earth without any sin. Without any sin. That's what it's going to be like. The seventh thing, seventh thing that will take place within seconds after you die, within moments after a believer dies, Revelations chapter 6, verse 11. An interesting study and uh, we've already touched on that portion of Scripture a couple of times. You will be comforted and made righteous with white robes. 6.11. 6.11. And the white robes were given unto every one of them, as it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be Fulfilled, 
And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And I took and beheld a pale horse. Talking about in Revelations when the Christ, this judgment reigns on this earth. And as people died, they were ushered into heaven, and immediately they received a white robe. And then you read about a white robe. Do you know where that white robe who comes at the end times and comes in riding a white robe stained in blood? Jesus Christ. Paul right. He comes in. You know, we receive a white robe because there's no way we even qualify. We can't even enter it on our own. Angels have to usher us up there. They have to usher us into heaven. And God has to make the provision for us to enter there. And we see that when we get to heaven, the only thing that uh, we're, we're, we're completely confined from sin. No sin at all is allowed to enter. In fact, Lazarus is, is, uh, is tempted to go across that gulf. That would be sin, wouldn't it, if he went and comforted him at that point in his life. He can't do it. We can't even sin in heaven. The Lord will bless. And that's what awaits us, and that's a little bit of what heaven's like immediately after one Parts from this world, if they know Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, the Seventh-day Adventist and some of our other brothers and sisters in Christ like to talk about a soul sleep. You could use these verses right here. There's no such thing as a soul sleep. They're the ones that push that the parable is uh, there in Luke, that that's a parable. But that was just a good example. I can find you other scripture, but the most pointed portions of scripture is what it's going to be like when we get to heaven what we have to look forward to in the twinkling of an eye when we're taken there and how the angels inter intervene in our lives even now as we are here on this earth and how we are so incapable of coming to such a wonderful place except through the divine intervention of God it kind of humbles one there's no room for pride in heaven. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, that anyone should boast. And it's not anything you've got to wait for. It's not anything. Well, you have to wait, in fact, that you have to live. But the moment you're, you're done, you're, you depart from this world, the moment you take your last breath, and I've been there, and I've seen people take their last breath and knew and was comforted by the very fact that the next time they inhaled, it would be celestial air. And that's where we get that. And that's how we've, you, I, I hesitate to say earned, but that's the award given each one of us as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have to focus on some of those things. As well as heaven, there's eternal punishment. But there's eternal reward, too. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask Brother John to come forward. Mrs. Anania, would you play, pray something? John and Gloria, you can both come forward if you'd like. Uh, and we're going to anoint Brother John with some oil. And the verses we're going to use for that, play softly. In a moment, I'm going to call all you men up, all the men of the congregation.
in James, or in Book of Mark, chapter 6, it says in verse 12, keep playing, and they went out and preached that men should repent, talking about the apostles, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And in James chapter 5, we'll read about the procedure here. Gentlemen, come on up. 